Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Today's episode is supported by A Kid's Book About, a collection of beautifully designed books that kickstart challenging and empowering conversations between kids and their grown-ups. It's no surprise at all that we like talking about the hard stuff with one another, with you all, and with our kids, which is why this new series has resonated so much with us. A Kid's Book About releases new books every month from experts and authors who bring their personal stories, practical wisdom, and childlike playfulness to the page. They explore topics like belonging, feminism, body image, racism, gratitude, and beyond. Life is complicated, and their mission is to help kids and their grown-ups have honest conversations about things that matter. We think that's pretty cool, so visit today's show notes to learn more. Now, on to our episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome. If you are new to Upbringing, welcome and thank you for being part of this community. We are sisters and moms to three, four, five, and six-year-olds who both inspire and challenge us every day. Yeah. We want to briefly acknowledge our privilege (laughs) in getting to talk about this as our job. And a quick disclaimer that though we have many certifications, we aren't licensed therapists or MDs. And most Mm -hmm. pertinent to today's Q&A about parenting on the same page with our partners, Mm. um, though we do go to therapy with our husbands. A high five. All right. Um, We're not relationship counselors. No, we are not. We are relationship students. Yeah. That's where we're coming from. Um, but generally speaking, we base this season's podcast episodes on our freedoms model and our resist approach, which you can download on our website. And in each episode of the podcast, we connect about a common challenge with our kids in these realms of their lives that we call their freedoms. They're n- <laughs> no, we're recording a podcast episode. Oh, I'm sorry. We're working right now, but we'll we'll find you soon. Okay. We're recording it. You can't see it. You can only hear it later. Okay. That was my four-year-old Speaking of being on the same page with our partners. (laughs) I know. Where is my partner? Uh Um, Okay. We're talking about freedoms, right? Oh, boy. Um, These realms of of our kids' lives, which we call their freedoms, their nourishment, their play, their contributions, their speech, their feelings, their expression. Um... Yeah, all, all, all of, of these, things. all places, especially when they're around two years old, they can bring a lot of resistance and power struggles. Well, and where we can struggle yeah. to sensitively support them, right? Basically, yeah. yeah. So we use our resist approach as this sort of loose six-step process that helps us interact respectfully with awareness and consideration to one, keeping our kids safe and healthy and just kind of moving things in the right direction generally. Mm-hmm. 
And number two, having this sensitive approach that you mentioned to maintaining our kids' strong and intimate connection to their own bodies and spirits. Kind of also a goal. Yeah. Absolutely. It's both. Um, It can be both. Especially so that we don't over-control what we call their inner wisdom and authority. Or undermine. Right. Yeah. So that we can be, you know, on one hand, getting shit done and also be encouraging them to look within themselves rather than just outside themselves for the wisdom and the authority to move through the world. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of this requires that we examine our beliefs, our cultural conditioning, and just a whole list of what we consider generally unhelpful things that we think of on our job description, just kind of taking taking those off our job description um, as we run through one of these 10 freedoms or a Q&A each week. Mm-hmm. So today's episode. Today's episode, we are talking about parenting on the same page mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. Or and especially when not. Right. And the reason we're talking about it is because we personally have struggled with this in the past. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's been this, you know, what we've been parenting six years now. Mm-hmm. This has been a, an ongoing, long scaffolding process of finding ways to be on the same page with our partners, with our, our caregivers, co-caregivers, mm-hmm. um, with family, with friends. It's a very um, sensitive kind of environment talking about this. We've had a lot of people writing in and we've been collecting DMs uh, for the last couple weeks. And a lot of people have been worried about their kids right now in this new quarantine climate with so many changes from their routine in general. Mm -hmm. And for some people, for many, there's this added layer of different or even clashing approaches to parenting or mixed messaging through multiple caregivers um, Mm -hmm. that's been a challenge for them. And this can kind of create a lot of stress. It can... create tension in relationships and ultimately just confusion um for the kids right Mm -hmm. yeah i think that we're definitely finding ourselves in more awkward situations with our well-intentioned partners with Mm -hmm. in-laws with friends and family should we be able to be um seeing them and like weaving them into our little web at this point in time but when you really think about it and we're going to talk about this a little bit more we're all parenting based on Decades of perceptions and beliefs founded in our own childhood and our subsequent experience based on cultural conditioning, right? There's a lot at play with this type of thing. Yeah. So many of these episodes are really just about busting our own beliefs, Mm -hmm. thinking about our own approach, our own mindset. And this one really is kind of a departure for us because we're talking about not just working with our kid, but working with another person or multiple other people with our kids. And it adds this whole other like fucked up dynamic. Mm to talk yeah, about, and we're right? like, I feel very comfortable being like, well, this is what I would say with my kid because I practice so much and yeah. we really work to cultivate our own personal voice with our parenting, which we are so wanting to encourage you to do. There's no mm-hmm. right way to say something. There's just our way to say it, right? I have a lot less practice doing that with my partner or with yeah. my mother-in-law uh-huh. or with some random stranger who's passing judgment. Mm-hmm. I don't. We don't get that day-to-day practice, every issue, every challenge, every meltdown. Yeah, it's but more right sparse. Now we, we are parenting in... Uh, uh, in greater contact and broader context with more people like and we're parenting period more yeah all of us are yeah. right i think a lot of people wrote in basically with the question when our partner my partner or another caregiver is doing things differently especially something i really care about for my kid do i step in and say something in the moment do i bite my lip do i talk to the person about it later how do i do that mm-hmm. you know everyone who wrote in was feeling a little bit stuck right mm-hmm mainly we're going to kind of describe it and move through it in 10 ways, really quick ways that can we've kind of pulled together um, to help ourselves and hopefully to offer you some ideas on ways we can organize around and kind of get empowered by 
getting on the same page with our partner. And, you know, it's not an easy process. It's not an overnight process. Um, you know, these are definitely our recommendations, but every parent and caregiver and kid is so unique. So yeah, you know. I also want to say being on the same page doesn't mean doing it exactly the same way, by mm-hmm. the way, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about this conversation. These 10 things we wrote about it's not about winning people over or gaining perfect compliance or group thing or winning, oh, right? Or winning <laughs> on discipline and child rearing. Though sometimes it feels that way, right? It's about starting a conversation that is honest and vulnerable and self-aware, and something that's important to us and everyone as a unit, so that we can just stay connected through this tough time, right? I love that. Yes. So before we dive into those 10 things, we wanted to read some DMs from listeners about this particular subject of getting uh, partners on the same page. We've got four of them. Uh, we're not going to be a- answering them like a real Q&A. We're basically going to read through them. Then we're going to be exploring um, why p- we parent on different pages, what we end up find ourselves doing, why it's valuable work to be considering, and then 10 ways that we're working, that we have been working, and especially now in this quarantine situation, to connect, to get on that same page. Whether the results end up different or not, um, making that effort to feel... Um, like we're a tight ship, like we're understanding one another, even if our approaches uh, are different. I think it's so easy for us with our kids or with a partner or another caregiver to think that we're the only ones. And I think that it feels really good to know that there are others out there. So number one, my spirited three-year-old daughter is channeling her emotions in some really angry and distancing behavior. We're all just trying to hang on for the ride. The hardest part is that my mother-in-law is quarantined with us and she doesn't understand where our parenting systems are coming from. Mm. She's more old school in the way she speaks to my daughter and I'm having a hard time managing my emotions around her tone. I get that my daughter's a lot, but I don't think sounding annoyed and nagging her is a good path to enjoyable interactions. I'm not interested in quiet and obedience, as nice as that sounds sometimes. She'll often repeat things I've just said to my daughter in a commanding and forceful way versus the more conversational way that I framed it. And it pisses me off. It feels like she thinks that my methods don't work, and so she's stepping in to educate me. It's normal family stuff, but rolled into a pandemic with a newborn and no escape or end in sight. I just need to figure out how to communicate with her in a way that won't make the next forever feel uncomfortable. Oh, man. So understand that. Yeah. You are amazing. Amazing. Number two, he usually says yes to everything, which makes him very popular. Me, on the other hand, feels like I have to be more strict and keep the rules for the kids, but it makes me frustrated a lot when I'm always saying no or I'm the one that notices when the kids are climbing on something they shouldn't. It's like he doesn't notice until I've said something, and then I'm the bad guy again again in the kids' minds, or at least I assume, for having said it to them. My four-and-a-half-year-old also totally says, Mama always says no, or Daddy said I could do it. Another example I struggle with is screen time. My husband grew up with lots of screen time, and he said it didn't screw him up. I, on the other hand, uh, was barely allowed to watch TV, so I try not to let the kids watch more than an hour to an hour and a half of TV a day. Before quarantine, I never let them watch TV every day. Now I just need a break when I cook in the evening when my husband is still working. You are amazing. You're amazing. Number three partner quandaries. My husband knows I'm reading parenting resources and doing this hard work. It feels frustrating when he isn't as interested in working on his own shit. He's naturally very patient and playful, but he really struggles and shuts down with connecting during uncomfortable emotions. Mm -hmm. Don't we all? 
We've had conflict in the past when I've tried to share resources, mainly on praise, connecting, and holding space for emotion. He tends to shut down in response to strong emotion. Um, For example, he tends to shut down when our three-year-old is feeling big feelings. I become the one who holds the space for all the feelings. At this point, my son will come to me and tattle on his dad for being not nice. At that point, we'll all circle back. Usually my husband and I are involved, but I don't want this to be the dynamic. I want my husband to facilitate this on his own, do the work, and be openly receptive to resources. He's a Taurus, bless him. (laughs) Any tips on providing resources and encouraging partners to facilitate their own emotional growth and tend to their inner child without them feeling like they are being mothered? You're amazing. You are amazing. Number four, my husband and I were both brought up in households that were ruled by a strict parent, uh, that you followed the rules or you were punished, hit, etc. I know I ended up eating a lot of soap, though I never did curb my interest for rude uh, interest in rude words, but I try to stick to my values while parenting. My husband, however, still leans into the ways of his parents, working through that relationship by either repeating their behavior or swinging in the opposite direction to overcompensate. That this um, that struggle that creates a struggle between the two of us and confusion in my daughters, specifically my seven-year-old, who can see what's going on. We both get frustrated that the other parent doesn't trust in our method and style of parenting. I do try to explain to him about the girls having intrinsic motivation versus external motivation. For example, we haven't had too much success aligning our styles, but we're trying to recognize when we aren't in alignment with an action of another parent and have a mini meeting discussing our point of view and how our actions as parents will shape our children in this moment, but also in the future. You are amazing. So great. Seriously. I don't think we're going to have answers to this. Yeah. This is more of like a Q and D, a a question and discussion a little bit um, that will bring those 10 things in a little, but I think it also just feels good to hear other people that we aren't the only ones struggling sometimes with other people in our lives around our kids, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. So, Han, why do we parent on different pages from other people? Why why do we parent in a different way than our partners or than our parents mm-hmm. or than our friends? I think that's a great question, especially because we're twins. So we're like, why would anyone not think? I mean, I'm very validated constantly by this other person <laughs> who thinks the exact same way I do. So what the hell? My partners doesn't believe that or think Is that? Is this the most boring podcast ever? Because we mostly agree on everything. I know. But basically, we parent on different pages because we're different people. Mm-hmm. So even if we're close or have been together for a while with a partner or known a friend for a long time or been close and had a good relationship with a mother-in-law, we all have different childhoods. You know, some of us grew up with a permissive household or an authoritarian household. We all have a different attachment history that we're bringing into our parenting. Mm -hmm. We also have different fears and concerns based on that childhood, that attachment history. You know, we have um, these worries about our parenting, about our child, you know, whether it's about will our relationship be good, whether it's about who will my child become, whether it's about will they have these skills to survive. Mm -hmm. We all have these unique fears and concerns we're bringing to the table. We also have different attitudes and beliefs based on those. It's like what a parent is supposed to do, what a kid is. When we see a mess, what what is our belief about that? When our kid has big feelings, what do we believe based on culture and our upbringing? Mm-hmm. And then we also have different needs. You know, a lot of we all have these deeper needs that we're not always conscious of. Like one that we are is that we're introverts, so we do need personal space. Yeah, that makes certain a- things in our parenting hard. Yeah, you know, another need would be that. We want to feel validated or we want to feel uh, another parent wants to feel in control. You know, we all are, are parenting from these needs that we are aware of or unaware of. Um, we also bring to the table different response patterns. So ways that we respond to situations. So, you know, we could yell or we could be avoidant. 
Um, there's so many different ways that we respond compared to a partner, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then we've also got different communication skills to meet those needs. You know, some of us sulk, some of us are a little more passive aggressive, some of us do a lot of apologizing. We're all bringing these communication skills that do not necessarily meet up and match in the perfect way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're also dealing with different stressors during this time a specific job or work responsibility, a financial responsibility, how much sleep we're getting, the caregiving load, the house load. You know, we could um, also be triggered and uh, really have a harder time managing stress from our kids' physical fighting versus their crying. We're all different and respond to stress differently. Um, and we're affected by stress differently, right? That's a long list. And it makes me be like, <laughs> why did we ever think we could co-parent? Yeah. Like if we're all coming, like, it's not like when kids. I went on a date for the first time, I was like, how do you do with all of these things? Are we on the same page? Are we actually compatible? Like compatibility meant to me, like what movies do you like? Mm-hmm. Um, you you know. were so naive, but, right? but that is kind of important. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm yeah. not going to knock, knock that one <laughs> off the list yet, but yeah, but yeah. there's so much we didn't know. And where you're like, okay, we, we love each other. We, we have the same kids, but we as as people and parents are so different. We are bringing so many different things into this dynamic. Mm-hmm. That is a lot to sort through and work with. Yeah, I remember the uh, reading Esther Perel, the, this amazing therapist and author. Uh, we'll have her in the show notes. But she said, when you pick a partner, you pick a story, and then you find yourself in a play you never auditioned for. And that is when the narratives clash. Yeah. Basically, we've married our, our partner's childhood. Yeah in a really big way. Oh, man. You know, and I think that one of the biggest things that struggles that we have with this co-parenting thing isn't necessarily having completely different values. I think it's having a lot of unconscious strategies Mm -hmm. to see that those values are met. What are some of the things that we have done with our partners, our family members, or we've seen coaching clients um, uh, kind of do with their family members and partners? I feel like we do, we often will criticize or shame our partners. Why are you doing it that way? Hey, remember the plan, this and that, like that? I think that's something I tend to want to do at times is to just throw my hands up in exasperation and resignation. So I kind of like roll my eyes or I, you know, let out a oh, puff of oh, air. Totally. You know, where I'm like, well, I clearly can't criticize or lecture or shame necessarily right now, but I want them to know that uh, put a pin in this, I do not like what I'm seeing right mm-hmm. now, or this isn't what I thought was our plan or our value. Totally. And that's not helpful. That's totally passive aggressive, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've certainly felt instead of kind of advocating for what I need sometimes for my kids in front of other people, I've felt self-conscious and embarrassed about my practices mm-hmm. or beliefs. And I've worried that I will be judged by them. So I'm just, I don't say anything at all. Right. Mm-hmm. I've also, uh, not personally quite as much, but I think that we're, we're all tempted to do this and we've seen other people do it, is to just do it all. Yeah. You know, I think there's this feeling of like, sometimes when we don't want to confront this person in our lives who does things differently and that upsets us, then we find ways to get around it. You know, we don't want to confront them with our needs and expectations. We don't want to put them in situations they would struggle with or cause the the need for a, co- a conversation. You know, so we'll be like in our minds, you know, we've had a lot of friends who are like, well, that won't go well if he puts um, the baby down. Yeah, so, so I'll just keep doing it. I'll ask him to do the dishes and I'll just keep doing bedtime. Yeah. yeah. And I think that um, you know, it's kind of more of the avoidant, like instead of throwing a bomb, which I tend to do, other mm-hmm. people like 
they'll just hold that bomb back and just yeah. basically sit on it. But you I think, know? yeah, and I think that that can happen so often when the uh, the partner especially can get defensive or if they're very sensitive or have mm-hmm. other stressors in their life, and you know they just they don't want to push it. They they're worried that saying I need this from you with the kids would just be for whatever well, reason too much. Uh, this whole list, as you're saying this and we're describing this, Kelsey, uh-huh. is like basically our uh, like what we've learned from our childhoods in how to deal with conflict. So true. Do we go at it hardcore? Do we do it go at it passive aggressively? Do uh-huh. we go? Do we avoid it? Do we totally. take it all on ourselves? And do we make excuses for the other person? It's so like, true. It, th- that's how we deal with probably not just conflict with our partner, but probably conflict with a lot of other people. Maybe even our kids. Mm-hmm. This could be paralleling our parenting in a lot of ways as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. But I think that bottom line, these strategies um, to work, these are not strategies to work on getting on the same page with our parenting. Yeah. These are unconscious reactions, not thoughtful responses. And, you know, we talk a lot just like with our parenting. We want to hopefully be just as intentional with our other relationships, including with other caregivers. Yeah. So I think there are so many reasons why this is valuable to consider and work on, right? We're going to be reducing arguments and tension, hopefully, by just getting some conversations out there. That'd We're going to nice. hopefully be reducing <laughs> stress for our kids, just calming those transitions, creating that sense of routine and stability, right? Right. Um, it'll help our mental health we'll feel a little bit more consistent and secure and validated. Like we're on a team. We've got a tight ship here. That's what we're all looking for at this point. Or at least it's just more predictable and like, you know, established. And lastly, I think that we can think of these challenges as an opportunity to deepen and grow our relationship with our partner or family caregiver and just build more security, trust, and understanding. That's what we're hoping. Love it. So again, want to reiterate, we do not have all the answers on this, but this is an exercise in exploring what we do know, what we're thinking about, what we're learning, what we're working on, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so reality check first before the 10 things. I just want to (laughs) say children are adaptable and resilient. Right? That's a good thing to establish. Let's, yes. let's just take off the pressure, everybody. Like John Gottman talks about how kids can do okay with different styles of parenting, but what they don't do well with is parents fighting about those different styles. So that's mm-hmm. why we're here. We're trying to make this list of things to say, let's just kind of decrease the tension. It might it might have to put us through a little bit to get there, but ultimately we just want things out in the open, mm-hmm. right? Even if people are doing things differently, that's okay. We just don't want to be fighting about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want the dissonance around it that right. our kids are absorbing right. if possible. And so second thing, nobody's perfect. I think that as much as we can realize that we're not perfect parents, we have to acknowledge that the other people in our kids' lives aren't going to have perfect interactions with them every time either, mm-hmm. right? Third thing, this is really sensitive stuff. And we have to realize that talking about parenting styles and how we interact with our kids is a super sensitive topic, even among partners and family, right? We have a lot of people writing in saying, I can't even mention a single thing to my partner about their parenting. It's so hard, you know, and we have to really consider in these conversations, our level of comfort with the person that we're talking to Mm -hmm. in determining how much we'll intervene or discuss. I mean, obviously barring like physical, emotional, severe harm, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I just, I remember even in our, in our first learning when we were really early parents, just feeling so immediately undermined by everything I was reading. It made me feel so unstable and insecure. And to think that maybe to you To think that what I, that what I was doing, doing was yeah. wrong and it was mm-hmm. really hard hearing it from a book, let alone another person. And we've, we've gone to the point where we've read so many books and had so many conversations together and with other people that new information or opposing information doesn't scare us like as that much. anymore. As mm-hmm. much. Yeah. It doesn't. Um, 
but we have to think about people in our lives who don't maybe aren't listening to parenting podcasts like all of us are or reading books or reading books or thinking or, and talking about this stuff a lot be able to be vulnerable and be like i didn't i didn't know that okay or maybe i'll try that sure like other people aren't as flexible and it's very sensitive stuff. Yeah, I mean, the pressure to be a good parent is so high and yeah. that fear and, and underlying concern of, am I, think, I doing a good job? Yeah, but I think just being a human, the pressure is high. And we've had conversation with friends who don't even have kids that were like almost heated discussions about parenting styles when they're not even parents. Mm-hmm. Everyone comes with their own perspectives. It's really and baggage and baggage and triggers and history and triggers yeah. and beliefs. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. And then I also want to say, that there's something to take into consideration. Yes, the stakes feel really intense and high right now. And we just have to acknowledge that we're in this boiler pot of stress and that it can bring out the worst in all of us to a degree. Like Mm -hmm. maybe we're a little more sensitive right now. Something that is bugging us really bad right now maybe wouldn't have bugged us a month ago, Mm -hmm. you know? Or maybe our other caregivers would be less grumpy if we weren't around all the time. And it's all relative and we have Mm -hmm. to give everyone a little bit of grace um, and try to imagine that we're all trying our best even when it doesn't look that way. That's all I wanted to say. I love that, Kel. Okay. Thank you for adding those. You're so welcome. Can we get to the 10 things Yes, we now? can. People are okay. like, what the fuck? It's like 20 <laughs> minutes in. <laughs> so how to talk about your parenting philosophy with your partner or caregiver, right? And not just talk about your parenting philosophy, but really find a middle ground and some understanding between each of yours. You know, maybe your partner has a really stern tone when they're communicating limits, or maybe your father-in-law is undermining your choices by giving your child what you just said no about. Or maybe the caregiver is really sensitive to your kid's strong feelings and isn't as accepting of them as you try to be. Mm -hmm. So picture your examples, your experiences, as we kind of go down this list. We'll try and give some few examples here and there, but we don't want this to be too long-winded, right? Right. Number one. We plant seeds. And this could be in the moment or later, right? It's basically just acknowledging the disparity in our approaches around a very specific thing or a very general thing. In values or strategies? It could be, yes. Okay. So I could say something like, you know, I realize the way I interact in these hard moments isn't conventional or the norm, but I'd love you to be open to um, to this journey with me. I know it feels counterintuitive. You know, it's basically calling it out. Mm -hmm. It's saying, bear with me. I'm feeling really good about how much I've been learning about this. You could say respectful parenting, conscious parenting, positive parenting. Just say parenting, Mm -hmm. this parenting thing, and how connected I felt with with my daughter or our daughter. You know, or and even it's it's basically an acknowledge, like you said, acknowledging yeah. a disparity. It could even just say, "Yeah, this d- this does seem a little different than what you're used I've to." I notice we do yeah. things kind of differently. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So right. it's just saying, "I'm calling the situation out. I'm yeah. gonna tra- you know put this yeah. out there a little bit." Exactly. Okay. So okay. number two is translate. And that's where we try to just work as the nuanced middleman. And this is a more indirect way. And it's a good way to just kind of uh, let people save face and let our kids save face in certain situations. Like where you don't want to put anybody on the spot, but kind of bridge the gap a little bit. Exactly. Okay. Um, So if, for example, we're present and we see our kid interacting with the adult in a way that's like unfamiliar to them like maybe they're demanding a please or maybe they're being mocked for their big feelings we we could then say something like hey it seems like grandma is you know uncomfortable with the noise here and is struggling Mm -hmm. um or um it seems like our grandma's asking for a hug uh do you want to give a hug so we're kind of being that middleman, that bridge. Mm-hmm. So grandma is learning a little bit about how we would ultimately do it, speak to our kid. And our kid's learning a little bit about what this other person might mm-hmm. be actually thinking about, right? 
Or for example, if it were a partner, we could say something like, it sounds like you're not ready to apologize to dad yet. And he's feeling frustrated about what happened. Should we take a break and come back to talk about this later? When, so we're modeling we, right. and showing basically to our to our partner, this is this is what I really believe the situation is. Yeah, is what's I, happening. I don't think you're wanting our kid to apologize to you, but they're not ready to apologize yet. So I'm helping every everything kind of move forward here right. and translating the situation for you both. Right, and so and that sort of goes right into number three, which is modeling. And we talk about that so much through our empowerment. Uh, we know our influence. We've done a whole podcast episode about which we'll mm-hmm. link in the show notes, but. It's basically moving through the world in a non-threatening way to show our approach, our beliefs, our values. And this is what we do so much with our kids. Instead of explicitly teaching them, we are implicitly teaching them through exposure, through experience, just through, through, observa- their through, observation. through our influence, yeah. through the way we lead, right? And the way we can inspire them. So modeling is cool also because it can kind of normalize what seems like a funny way of engaging with our kids. And we can make that a repetition. And they can see those outcomes and and it can make an impression. I really believe that. You know, I remember the ver- one of the very first uh, times I, w- I saw you validate Roy when she was like, she must have been a year old and she was freaking out about my daughter being up on the bed. And I've told this story before and I remember you being like, I expected you to be like, she can be up on the bed. She's fine. You just, you know, she's just, she's little. She's just a baby. She's just lying there because she was like, get her down. No, no. Why are we off, off? And mm-hmm. just having a fit about it. And I remember you just saying, you really don't, don't want her to be up there. Yeah, you, you don't, it seems like you don't like her being there. And I was like, that sounds so crazy to me. But I just saw her look at you like, yes, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And, and just, and, and then you said, can I tell you why she's up there? And she just stopped freaking out and connected with you. I thought you were batshit crazy. <laughs> and, but the interaction made an impression on me, yeah. a huge impression, yeah. right? What's another way we model? We can share mm-hmm. uh, like a little uninteresting article we read or a video we watched. But I think that sharing, it, it's That's best hard. when it's a story, like a personal mm-hmm. story. Yeah, so, you can kind of bring them on your journey that way. Yeah, like, oh, guess what happened earlier today? And you kind of tell like a success story about why you, we think it went well using words and phrases that will hopefully kind of show them that we're not trying to necessarily prove them wrong. But we're showing that, wow, it's kind of been a 180 for us, too. We yeah. were so surprised. Like, yeah. we're on the same team. Like, I, I certainly wasn't raised this way so it didn't come naturally right away but it's been so cool seeing how well her behavior is adjusted to setting a boundary like this in a warm way it's like side-by-side storytelling like i'm on your same team this is so interesting yeah isn't you know? this so crazy i tried yeah. this thing and it worked and inside you're like i try this all the time it's, but right, i'm instead, trying to converse about it in a neutral way right like instead of you know taking away privileges until our kid got in the bath to my husband for example i would be like if he normally wanted to do that or at we had both used to do that and then we changed I would be like oh my gosh I read this article about um, using creativity to get in the bath it's the last few nights I've been thinking of a song or doing this silly you know Batman story that Mm -hmm. has been getting him in the bath where I don't have to take away privileges and he actually learns to build some skills isn't that interesting it just it helps it helps bring them into a circle into your own experience these are like less confrontational ways Mm -hmm. you know if if we are either it, it helps both sides of the spectrum in my mind Kel 
It helps those of us who are more avoidant and worried about conflict. Mm-hmm. It helps us find a nuanced, subtle, non-confrontational way to assert our, our opinion and our beliefs and to connect with them in a subtle way. And then for those of us who are a little more bombastic, a mm-hmm. little more wanting to really stick it to them and be mm-hmm. more obvious about it, that doesn't always go so well. Yeah. So it helps us take it down a notch. You know? yeah, I think it's something that we did with our partners a lot because in the moment they did not react well to, why are you doing it that way? Hey, that's not going to work. Why are you this mm-hmm. with our babies or toddlers? Yeah. And instead we would just, we'd let it play out. We'd watch and we would come back. Well, and, and I'm thinking and about just talk th- about this it. This is a respectful way to go about connecting to anybody mm-hmm. about a, an approach you have or a feeling or <coughs> a belief you have yeah. so that it's not jamming it down their throats. It's not going to make them feel more defensive or create a power struggle. Yeah, but we have to not have immediate expectations because yeah. this is the kind of thing that you and I have done with some people in our lives for almost six years now and that it sort of do talk never does anything <laughs> at all and yeah. we've had to learn to just be like ah, okay i'm gonna accept it or i'm gonna move on to a little bit more of a direct way if, if it really important. matters if to it's me. important exactly yeah so number four this is something we do sometimes is we circle back with our kid to discuss it directly so if something happened where right. we didn't really feel like our kid was treated in a way or that if it's we would been normally a, or do if it's it. been a pattern in this new quarantine situation like wow grandma always yells at you when xyz or papa's rushing your bedtime because right. he doesn't usually do it as often yeah, and, and isn't just doing it the way thing. i would normally do it or the way you've normally had it done right we have these circle yeah. backs that we we do with our kids often after challenging situations or conflict whether it went as we wanted it to to or not um but we could say something like you know i think Papa was feeling a little impatient earlier with your feelings and, you know, and just how, how did you feel about it? Mm-hmm. Or I'm really sorry I wasn't there to stop grandpa from tickling you without asking. You know, you seemed a little startled. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about just building context to their experience. This and isn't just a one-way street between us and the caregiver who's not doing things the same way as we are. Mm-hmm. We have the kid to bring into this if we want to build that context. Yeah, and I love that that circle back idea instead of like going to the kid and being like, like the way dad's doing it is not right and i know and i'm going to talk grandma's like, terrible we don't want to be p- putting distance between other caregivers yeah. to our kid our kid doesn't need to know that what we care about with our kid is helping them just move through with low stress and with mm-hmm. some understanding and context and a positive association so that's that's the idea yeah. with them is to just help them understand build a little context yeah i think that it also helps build empathy mm-hmm. and and helps our kid feel connected to someone who's different and, mm-hmm. th- and that's okay, or who, mm-hmm. who acts differently in cert- certain situations. I think lastly, though, that this is also the beginning of a conversation with our kids that we can continue, that, mm-hmm. that it says that we're a safe place to go and that we're an ally. If they ever experience something with another caregiver that's different or that doesn't feel great or mm-hmm. whatever, and that they want to process it, that it's not like, oh, don't go to mom to don't talk about that her about it she, she gets be, frustrated she'll be mad <clears throat> or she'll be talking about my dad in a way i don't like or whatever it is so we yeah. want to be that safe place that they come to to help process and tell us anything and they might not come to us so we, that's yeah. what the circle back step is is us going it's to establishing them. that ritual yeah yeah number five we look beneath the surface of the caregiver right this is a big one mm, yeah. we have to say where is this person coming from is there some fear? Is there some insecurity? Is there some stress? Is there some past experience? Just like we look beneath the surface for our kids, we talk about putting on those goggles and looking beyond the shiny, distracting waves and going underneath to see 
what lagging skills um, and what underlying needs they might have, just like with our well, kids. I, I think this is such an important one. This would probably be my number one mm-hmm. uh Uh, element to work on is because I think it's so easy for us to have these immediate judgments, knee-jerk labels, Mm -hmm. these fear-based kind of characterizations of these people in our lives. When they're not doing what we need them to do to feel safe as a parent, they are the enemy. And it's easy for us to take it personally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and to to portray them in ways like it's because they're lazy, it's because they're controlling, it's because they're selfish. They don't care. Right. It's because they're disrespectful. We've all been pushed to to think these things, and none of them is necessarily helpful at all. and we need to take that and say, why do I believe that, first of all? And then what could really be, just like with our children, like leading to this yeah. behavior? Why is the grandma, our grandma doing this is, every time? Is maybe our partner having trouble holding space for the kid's emotions because he has trouble expressing his own? Right. Is she making up for the fact that she sees her grandkids so little and wants to be the favorite? Mm-hmm. Does your wife have trouble upholding boundaries because she had really strict parents? Mm-hmm. Right. Who, right. Who, yeah. There's so much at play behind the strategies we all use in our caregiving. And it's like being this like super sleuth to mm-hmm. try and understand it. And I mean, that's just even just looking beneath the surface is saying, I'm I'm going to get curious. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. It's just acknowledging then, that there's something going on. Right. There. And this is just our own work personally yeah. to just get curious and stop judging and resisting this other person. But lean into being like, I want to understand them. which sets us up for this next step, right? Yeah, number six is make a list about uh, your grievances, know your differences, (laughs) Um, decide your deal breakers and let go of the rest. Yeah. Right? It's like Tina Fey on 30 Rock, deal breaker. Find the deal breakers, right? Yeah, and I think, I I feel like it kind of goes into two lists, which the things that will kind of, the the let go of the rest things are the irritating things, but not the priorities, you Mm -hmm. know? And, And those things can change over time, but... You know, um, and then the deal breakers, you know, the things that really, really matter that we end up arguing about more that if we could choose, because we can't fix everything, we can't be all on the same page about everything, what would those things be? Yeah. So what are some of the things that we've let go of before? I don't know. I mean, are they, when they're on parenting duty, do they need to do the dishes? That would be nice, but maybe it's not worth fighting over. Do they talk in a baby voice that you find irritating to your kid? Yeah. Or speak in the first person to right. them. These or are t- things that bug tell me. them they're pretty, you know, <laughs> yeah, all the time. Hard. Or are you they know. asking lots of questions and quizzing your kid? It's like just little things like that. That just those are things that have bugged me. Where I've just been like, I'm not gonna. Those bring are any little of that things up. that I used to like fight to the death about, or uh-huh. feel really, or I would just like repress it and feel really angsty about my in-laws and like yeah. really struggle with it. And now I'm just like, dude, they are their own people. I cannot die on this hill about these things. Yeah. I have to focus on the priorities. So, what are some of the deal breakers that you have died on the hill about? screen time yeah and like the amount of time and what programs they're watching like Mm -hmm. that's just it's sorry it's important to me Mm -hmm. um sugar and consumed and the amount of food i've gone a little bit looser on sugar with trust Mm -hmm. but like certain foods like if you know we don't want to be doing the gluten thing for example like please respect that you know we don't want to be eating a ton of sugar (laughs) like they have Mm -hmm. stomach aches later please respect that you know shaming their emotions you know the way the way people respond to misbehavior safety stuff yeah like hand holding and things like that yeah um you know like uh, there's just so much you have to decide what what are the things and then you go in for it yeah Yeah. so that's where number seven comes in where we maybe want to set some boundaries like we do with our kids so we're done being the kind of passive um (laughs) nuanced 
hinty, uh, modelicious uh, exactly. person. Exactly. <laughs> and we're moving on to some boundary setting like we have to do with our kids where we're like, I love you, but this just, this can't happen right now. Here's why, or here's what's going on, right? Yeah. I feel really strongly about this. Right. And I think yeah. we can be asserting that before the, the incident, outside of the incident, or it could be in the moment, mm-hmm. or we could be reasserting it in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like we've already talked about it and it's happening, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a great point, Kel, that like if we believe that, for example, our kids should only watch 20 minutes of TV at our in-laws, you know, when they go over there and there's like safe bubble, quarantine mm-hmm. bubble, then maybe we should probably write an email and make that official or have a conversation and right. say, so can we agree on that? I know. So much of beforehand. this whole episode is about just getting aware. <laughs> mm-hmm. The list is important because I feel so often that I feel hijacked mm-hmm. and I'm just like, this sucks. This can't happen. This feels terrible. And I'm not sure why. Mm-hmm. And finding that clarity and making that list is such a big deal. It's not like, you know, a mean list. It's just saying, what's been irking me? Why is that irking me? Mm-hmm. What's really important? And how is it, how important is it that this be done the same way with all the caregivers? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just... I feel like we can kind of move forward from here. And just like we set these boundaries for our kids and we let the feelings flow after, we might have to do this with the adults. And we, we talk about high expectations and high warmth. Mm-hmm. So basically communicating the need for the boundary, what our concern is, what, mm-hmm. why we need it, but in a warm way, mm-hmm. not in a passive aggressive way, not in a you're being busted, not in a this is a big deal and I need you to listen way, but in a warm like, hey, there's this thing and I really mm-hmm. just want to be on the same page, just clearly lovingly simply stating the boundary beforehand or if necessary in the moment um, or reasserting it in the moment those don't Mm -hmm. always go that well it Mm -hmm. depends on who it is right it's tricky depending on the person they might be like oh gosh of course yeah no no screen time yes or a partner might be like oh yeah like of course i i totally forgot like about letting them up on the counter when they're knives i'm sorry i i caved on the screen time oh i'm sorry or they might react more defensively well uh they pushed me to doing it they just i couldn't say no or um, mm-hmm. I thought you said two hours and it barely right. was before. So if we're getting or I'm their grandma and right. I can do whatever I so want. So if when we go to set a boundary and and kind of it's the start of this discussion by putting our, our th- ourselves in there first, very vulnerably mm-hmm. and lovingly. It's so hard. Right. But doing that, if that's not um, doesn't resolve in kind of a productive, positive way and reciprocal way, then we move on to number eight, which is discussing our boundaries and values into a greater context. Yeah, right? but I, I wanted to give a couple more examples of setting that boundary. I feel like that's important to okay. say, like, let's let's say for sugar consumption, for example, I would say something like, hey, it's just an off the cuff. It's not a big discussion like number eight. It's just saying, hey, you know, we're trying to keep sugar down generally because we're all in here in close quarters. So we're just doing uh, one cookie a day. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks. And they're like, okay. And then if it's in the moment and they're giving another one, we'd say something like, Hey, hey! Remember the the one cookie thing. So I'm actually. How about we pull out some fruit? Okay, cool. So that's like checking in about the boundary again in the moment. Okay, so getting into that bigger boundary discussion in a greater conversation. This is what all of us are scared of. Mm-hmm. No one wants to say to their mother in law, you know, I was wondering if after dinner tomorrow night we could sit down and just talk, just all get on the same page and talk about this, or with our partner. I feel like we've been parenting a little bit in different ways and I'd love to meet up and talk about it. Like this is such a scary thing to bring up these greater issues and sit down for what feels like an official discussion as opposed to a boundary here, a a snippy comment there, Mm -hmm. um, an eye roll there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think that it, it, 
it really pays off to be like noticing all of these things and be like, let's pull these together. Yeah. Instead of constantly I feel just like reacting you've made, and responding. You've made such strides with your in-laws by just like having it all out. You know, <laughs> like we're like, all sitting and we're going to talk for three hours and just do this instead of just living on eggshells. Yeah. Or just you with guys. constant resentment or yeah. conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Like and I feel like fire. Finding, just burn it all down. Finding that good calm. I was going to say finding that good calm time when they're receptive. I'm like, like on a family vacation. <laughs> like, That's when we have our big talks that's when um, the, the shit hits the yeah, fan yeah so we could say something like <laughs> I've noticed we're all really struggling with this new transition a little bit and I just want to make sure we're all on the same page with our parenting stuff so that we're not giving mixed messages or adding any extra stress to the kids lives you agree with that right okay right yeah. and I think especially with partners with bo- and with boundary setting I think if one parent has completely different rules then there aren't any family rules mm-hmm. is something I remember reading that John Gottman said. So it's really important to be on that same page and that same team. Yeah, totally. Um, what else? Well, well we're talking what's, about what's this, kind of the way we do it. combo other than kind of casual and warm. <clears throat> you know, the I statements, the we statements. We try and speak inclusively, collaboratively, yeah. try not to be critical. I mean, I think that's why these greater dis- these later discussions are so important because we're not in the moment where we're totally ramped up. Mm-hmm. We're hopefully in a moment where we're in bed and like, you know, they're rubbing our leg or like we're, you know, about to, you know, have some dessert or we're just, we're, we're in a moment. <laughs> We're in a moment when we're a little bit more receptive where we haven't been poking at each other all day. Yeah. You know. I don't know. I think, I mean, we talk about Ross Green all the time. Mm -hmm. I love how he brings up things. I mean, he works in prisons and in schools and with parents. And he's just got a no-nonsense approach to his collaborative and proactive solutions model, which basically says... Um, well, it's very non-emotional. Yes, it's right? very it's very neutral. He basically says, "Hey, so I've noticed that you could say, for example, I've noticed that um, when Jimmy's you know really crying and wigging out, um, you seem to have trouble co- connecting to him. What what's going on with that? How do you mm-hmm. feel about that? And then just leaving it open and just seeing what they say, acting asking follow neutral follow up questions mm-hmm. to keep trying to understand and empathize. Okay, so it's really when he's kind of angry talking." And that's hard. Um, what feels hard about that? You know, or um, what else have you tried? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just asking questions like that. And then at a point saying, okay, well, my concern is um, he might not be feeling really t- attended to, or he's more, he's used to being connected to a little bit um, in, in these situations. And so I wonder if we can find a way that will work for all of us where he can still feel that connection from us. It, it tends to resolve his behavior or his meltdowns a little, I've noticed. Haven't you noticed that, honey? That sounds like a very mature conversation, Kel. Like goals, right? Goals. That's the goal. I love Terrence Real. <clears throat> he oh, is yeah. another therapist who's just incredible. I heard an interview on the Goop podcast. And he was so, so great. Good. Um, and he talks about verbalizing things specifically. Mm-hmm. So I love the Ross Green thing where you're listening, you're digging, you're digging, or he calls it uh, drilling uh-huh. for information to then, you know, give your thing and move forward. But I love Terrence. He's like, instead of talking in metaphors, larger values, big feelings, let's just be direct. So here's what I'd like. What is it that you'd like about this? Like, this is what I'd like you to do when our son has a, a meltdown for these reasons. And then what would you like to do? Like, what would ultimately, how are you feeling? What's going on? Okay, and then what do we need from one another to help the other one deliver? So what what do you need 
to help move through a situation with him. This is what I need. And really just try and like, try and just cut the crap and get mm-hmm. to the to the thing. And this is obviously after you've talked and discussed with your partner about where they're coming from with these values. What are these underlying issues that are, are informing their beliefs mm-hmm. and um, kind of defining their strategies? Um, these are a lot of conversations, right? Yeah. You were just kind of talking about in the moment bringing something up, right, Kel? No, I mean, I was... I or was, sorry, later bringing something yeah. up. Yeah. Like I mean, a specific situation up. Yeah. Not like, why are we on separate parenting pages with this um, this emotions thing I in think general? I think that could be the question too. I've noticed where we really handle our son's emotions differently. Mm-hmm. Can you t- tell me about why you handle it that way? What your thinking is, what your values are, what your beliefs are. I want to understand. Mm-hmm. And then really like humbly saying, I'm seeing this working. I'm really excited about it. I want to know what you think or how it feels to you. Mm-hmm. You know, just being that open person that wants to like explore and not be judging, but who's understanding and accepting and who can be appreciative of, of what the other person is able to give. That is just so hard. Like for some reason, I can do that with my child so much totally. easier than I can do it with my partner. Like with my child, I'm like, I have to be kind. If they're going to learn, they need to be in a safe psychological environment. They need to feel trust and collaboration and agency. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to push them around and yell and scare them. But that's what I want to do to my partner so often. And family. And yes, and I'm so, I get so impatient so fast. I don't know if anybody else relates, but that's. I'm sure. That's how I, I mean, roll. In, in this these tricky. bigger conversations, we could have resources there too, like mm-hmm. where we could say, can I send you a few articles or podcasts that have been helpful right. to me or helpful to us? Because I think that really for some, hearing a professional discuss the ins and outs of a kid's brain, of, of their development, mm-hmm. can lead credibility, even when it's what we've been fucking saying all along. Yeah. Them hearing it somewhere else or reading it in a book that was bought at a bookstore, that's so legitimizing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's also something that helps a partner or another caregiver understand that where they're coming from is just from their experience and beliefs. Which yeah. <laughs> that if you can find a paper that talks about why it's important to spank, you know, can you send it to me? I'd be really interested to read that. Yeah. If you have been reading about why we should be, you know, ignoring um, destructive behavior. Yes, then yeah. that would be great to read because I have an article here that I'd love to share with you so we can kind of understand where we're coming from here. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes that will put the person in a moment of understanding, wow, I actually don't, I haven't been reading a single thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just kind of believing this and reacting in this way. Okay, here is some information. You know, we're not like doing it in a passive aggressive way, but yeah. I think it's it's a way to kind of broaden their awareness a little bit. And I think the last thing we can do in that big conversation in number eight is just dig in deep Mm -hmm. with our needs, beliefs, triggers. Maybe a little wine will help to just be like, look, I'm struggling. I'm worried about the kids. I really just want to figure out what we can do to help each other Mm -hmm. get through this time and just cut the crap and just say, I'm feeling tension because we're doing things differently. Like, what can we do to help each other? I see you getting frustrated with the kids in these ways. What can I do to help? Yeah. Do you need to be tapped out? Do you need some some information about what uh, what works for me and mm-hmm. for the kids? Like, yeah. do you want to role well, play with me? I, what could we do? I love this this the, the way you're explaining this so lovingly and collaboratively and side by side, Kel. And it makes me think of that willingness and that... Um, just that compassion that I discovered when I went to therapy with mm-hmm. my partner, which at number nine is 
go to therapy because I think that digging deep, it's really hard to sometimes dig deep with our deeper needs, our deeper beliefs, our deeper triggers when it's just the two of us at the end of a very long day. Totally. It's really hard to to somehow be navigating this intense and very complicated conversation with a partner. Psychological landscape. Yes. Yeah. If you If you don't have those tools already or if you haven't done that type of thing before. And so something that I experienced in therapy was just understanding and gaining this level of compassion and empathy for my partner based on not what they just believe right now, but why they believe it and understanding their childhood. Because we have to keep remembering that we're bringing our childhood childhoods into our parenting practices. We're basically children parenting children. Mm-hmm. It's been amazing either in just individual like one-on-one discussions with my partner now or when we did have those more official ones in therapy to really believe oh my gosh like I'm thinking of you as a child right now and I have such compassion and love for what you went through that is leading you to do this thing that's driving me crazy actually my grip is loosening on the importance and rigidity of why that's so bad and I'm not I'm looking at this image of you that I had been portraying a certain way based on these knee-jerk reactions Mm -hmm. and now it's filling in and it's more colored and nuanced and I'm realizing just what a human you are like doing the best you can yeah like and I think that's the first step is just really looking at one another and seeing our humanity and that that child within one another and we were so surprised too how easy it was like the idea of going to therapy feels so daunting yeah and it's just it was so simple it was so it was wonderful (laughs) what's number 10 keep coming back yeah you're not crazy (laughs) this this community upbringing we we are your support system and we urge you to keep connecting with people who share your values it's Mm -hmm. so easy to feel isolated like a crazy person you know when you're around even one person who doesn't understand or support your approach whatever it is and we know that feeling of being alienated that way and i think it's good to question your approach i hope that we're not always questioning other people's stuff but maybe we're also saying huh should I be questioning my own self? Not it's doubting. A good, it's a good just, practice. Just questioning. Yeah, it's okay. We've distinguished between that and other episodes. Yeah. It's okay to question yourself. You don't want to doubt yourself, but just ask yourself why. Right. And yeah. to remember too that like we don't want to get all dogmatic about our approach and our beliefs and our things. That can cause some real disconnection and some some issues. So trying to continue to remain flexible that we we're not all the same people remember all those things from the beginning mm-hmm. we're not coming from the same place you know that kids are really resilient and can understand those things it's really just about can we understand one another so that our kids can can be thriving in a uh, lower stress environment so that we can be thriving in a lower stress environment we all need a lower stress yeah, environment right now cheers to that yeah it's funny because we said this is a Q&A but really, we're just bringing up these questions. We don't have the answers to how to get your partner to do their own work. We don't have the answers to the words you tell a mother-in-law yeah. to get her to stop doing that. Right? Or yeah. what to exactly tell a kid when they feel like their dad is treating them differently than you are. Like These are all such complicated topics. And we're just, we're holding space for that. And we're just, we're really proud of all of you in all of your your caregiving quandaries um, for the awareness that you're building and the work that you're doing. And I'm hoping that these 10 strategies, these ideas can be of use from the more subtle to the more direct. Um, But I also just, I wanted to say too that you know, I think it's a big ask in general to want to lean into these relationships when we're already stressed. We already have a lot. 
on our plates. I don't think this shouldn't be one more thing that adds more stress. If you're coasting by, if you're managing and things are going okay, don't don't worry about it. Don't stress. But if things are, you know, incrementally bothering you or there is tension that that you do notice could be bothering people, then we want to help give you permission to to move forward to to um to connect about it, right? Yeah. This just this doesn't have to happen all at once. Yeah. Any of it. Even if you're just thinking about it and being aware and making your list, that's that's progress, right? Absolutely. We would we would love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. What resonated, confused, infuriated, inspired, <laughs> please reach out. And we want to encourage you to take your thoughts and notes from today and just connect with other people. You know, reach out, reach out to us, reach out to anyone else and just share what's going on with you. It feels good. Yeah, and we're here for you. We're yeah. doing our Q&A on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 p.m. We might move it to 5, right, Kel? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It'll be up on Instagram. Yeah. Um, thank you, as always, to our techie renaissance dude, Alex, for producing this podcast, editing music, all the things. And thank you to our incredibly talented friends, Amber Okamura, who does our art, and Mary Schroeder of Making Type, who does all of our lettering. Please visit our show notes for today's episode at upbringing.co forward slash podcast forward slash partners <laughs> and we'll have lots of uh the books that informed our talk on there lots of links yeah and lastly thank you for being here this is a messy and incredibly important job being a parent and a co-caregiver and we're gonna make lots of mistakes lots of them and that is okay because our growth depends on it and if you're here you are doing the work and you're doing an amazing job and we're so proud of you. We're right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another, one conversation at a time. So thanks for being here. We're all in this together. We're all growing up together. 